and we're off. You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. And hello and welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about people being fucking extralent. I'm Holly Morgan and my husband Tom is also here. And I have never been married before. And with us we have <laughs> the queen of my heart, Cat Loud, for our second Hello, part. Love. Hello, darling. Hello. Hello, love. <laughs> so we're doing our friend second part. Oh, I have a friend of the pod, such, a, such an early adopter and such a strong um, pod disciple as such well. Such a vocal adopter. I've got merchandise made. I don't know about you. <laughs> Honestly, where's the merch, babe? Gonna need to see some merch. We've reached out to a couple of peeps. We, we wait with bated breath. We really do. I'm in the market for a tote. Hey, mm-hmm. at this point in time, what does everyone need? They need some t-shirts with Big Diva Energy written on them yeah. for the world to not see. Right, you <laughs> can take a picture. Like, yes. Right. Actually, it's one of the first masks. times... Could do masks. Ah, oh, yeah, merchandise masks. And then give them to the NHS because they're the people that need them. And they're running out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also at this point in time as well, I really feel like it's kind of, it's the one time in my life I think I'd be okay with people living out loud yeah. on the internet. Yeah, yeah, And actually, like, because obviously that's all we can do because it's the same as living yourself living your life out loud down the pub but like yeah. we're just in our houses <laughs> so I'm kind of okay with everyone taking it take a picture like yeah. send us some tweets Instagrams of what you're doing do you know what make, make your, your own, own t-shirts Cheers, really hey make your own merch <laughs> exactly. sew it together too busy to hand crochet your own face mask also while we um... <laughs> there's a war on <laughs> Well, we make sure that we're topped up on our martinis, which we have as it's about that time of the day, according to Margaret's uh, rater. Vodka, pick me up. Uh, but also, whilst Kat tops up her, her champagne, was it, or Prosecco, or Carver? Oh, Carver, babe. Carver, Carver. Absolutely, every mm. uh, I just had to give a shout out to uh, Kat's latest tweet as well, where she's done a thread on Twitter, oh, where she yeah. compares the characters from Peaky Blinders, BBC's Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. to items of furniture. <laughs> And what piece of furniture I they'd mean, be. It is, it is my, my best work. It's, it's my iconic. It's, it, it was really a BuzzFeed, is. Uh, it was the what best I've BuzzFeed article quarantine. I never read. Sorry, say that I interrupted you. This is what I've done in quarantine. <laughs> the characters of one of my favourite TV shows and think long and hard about their attributes and then match them mm. to an antique or piece of furniture. It's so And strong. I really feel like I, I nailed a good few of them. What's your Twitter handle, Kat, so the people know? It is at that cat load. Great. Get on there. The content is never not brilliant. <laughs> Piping I mean, hot. I mean, it's never ending. So <laughs> you might get quite, you know, I've got very little else to do apart from just share. That's what we're all doing. By the time this episode's day. come out as well, I reckon they'll probably have to scroll down quite a few tweets to find <laughs> that Peaky Blinders one. Unless you pin it. pin it. Good. Yeah, pin no, it. Do yeah, pin, pin it. that as your tweet. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. Like I said, it's the I best. I just feel like... That's life has peaked with Peaky Blinders. <laughs> That's it as well, because the BBC will never make anything again. So yeah. it was good yeah. while it lasted. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only because of coronavirus, but because of the Tories. Thirst tweets. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. What a cast. Um, maybe in the after, we'll all just finish it how we thought it was good. We'll act it out. Everything. Yeah. Everything the BBC never got a chance to finish. Look, I'm having a really tough time with the Archers because they haven't heard of COVID. And I know they've got about another two weeks backed up. <laughs> and it's becoming it's becoming a hard lesson because they're all wanging on about this explosion. And I know, obviously, look, this is... This, this is the epitome of middle class problems I'm moaning about how the archers doesn't know about COVID-19 but but I mean they're I the mean, last ones if you're not talking about it you're not in the world y- yeah you're not engaging it's really taking me out of it otherwise I get lost in its layers of naturalism <laughs> well now I don't listen to the archers uh, I listen to you listening to the archers yeah usually in the shower or whenever you go into another room and all mm. I hear is this is the BBC da, 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 da. and I have nightmares <laughs> about that but um, they're usually Hello, from what you've said about man. it <laughs> from what you've said about it it's usually quite up to date isn't it they, usually, yeah, they, they tackled nor- Brexit yeah they're normally on it which is why it's so disorientating because it's like they knew or but or, and recorded it all in a bunker in, in advance so that they'd have content, but didn't think to mention the pandemic. Mm. It's really destabilizing. Isn't it true that there is a, a big brother going on in Germany right now and the inmates yeah. don't know about it? Yeah, they've just been told. But that's fascinating, unlike the Archers is just an oversight. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think they thought, I think they were hedging their bets and be like, it will blow over. By the time we get to the two-week mark. So they had or this... they just had a lot of material already written yeah. that they have to get through before they hit it. It's but on every it's day, Cam. <laughs> and I'm not being shady, but it's not gold. It's like, oh. literally, Roy left his car somewhere and forgot where it was parked. That was a major episode this week. He got the police involved because he couldn't remember where he parked his car. That was the Dirty Den episode <laughs> of the Archers. I get my own mini um, Archers podcast from Rich of Rich's Bitch. I get um, Umbridge and Ambridge every so often. I, I get his thoughts on the Archers because, yes, that's right. Trendy Rich from Netflix listens to the Archers because I got him into it. Um, yeah, also, I was just about great. to suggest as well that you do. That's we do a little it. diva episode <laughs> about the divas of about the women of the Archers. <gasps> Which I am not involved in. Oh <laughs> so I have absolutely no desire to talk about it. So maybe we could get Rich to do it and you, you and him can have a chat about the girls of Archers for a little diva. I feel like this content is um, becoming overwhelmingly white. So should we bring it back to talking about Princess yeah. Margaret and the Royals? <laughs> but also, also what I would like to say in this trying time is thank God for the BBC. Yes. And yeah, thank absolutely. you to the BBC mm. for all, for just, I mean, absolutely. front line of, public information and entertainment. Um, They've announced some really interesting programming actually during this as well, haven't they? Um, Some like cultural stuff that's coming out. Yeah, it's it's worth having. Also some really good opportunities for writers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like writers room is still going strong and Mm. I feel like some, they're going to be supporting a lot of people who have creative things to say about this time. So Absolutely. BBC, a national service. Absolutely vital, unlike the royals. So, um, uh, just to... (laughs) Give us a recap. To catch you all back up, if you missed part one, go back and listen to part one, uh, where we covered Margaret's journey from fourth in line to the throne to second, and her journey to become tabloid fodder with her... Uh, whirlwind romance, thwarted romance with with, uh, Peter Townsend. And now we find her in swinging London. 
and she has become the party girl. So this is, I think, an, an interesting moment. There are so many cultural moments from the last century which feel so far away and distant now. It's the way that, like, the coolest most interesting people across culture were all hanging out with the royals <laughs> it's like yeah. why were the beatles and the stones having to hang out with the royals it's like one oh, direction I, hanging out with beatrice and eugenie yeah it oh, just what a list here of people she apparently had affairs with and oh I, my god say allegedly go for Mick it jagger yeah peter sellers hmm. warren Beatty, yeah and ed fisher carrie fisher's dad Yes. Oh, is she? Like, yeah. She was, hob- she was literally hobnobbing with everyone interesting and cool. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the way it was framed in what I read today was that she was breaking down class barriers. Although yeah. I feel like that's a very loose term for what she was doing. Yeah. I feel like she was just chasing the D. Like, she, was- <laughs> she was chasing the D and... Like the, the D doesn't... Rec- like, the D doesn't care for class barriers yeah. at all. No. I don't need to see your titles, bitch. Lower but also the pants. D that she was chasing was chasing the UC because they definitely wanted... There was upward mobility. Like, yeah. people like Jagger have always wanted to be a part of the upper yeah, crust. absolutely. Even despite coming from humble beginnings. just wanted a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and like yeah it's breaking down class barriers but she's like Ma- princess margaret turns up at the cool party and makes everyone stay too late and like call yeah. her princess margaret all night yeah. it's not like she was like hey i'm just one of you call me peggy jones smashing like, down the walls <laughs> yeah. it's just like know the hidden place bitch yeah but also like pass me the joint um okay so uh Anthony Armstrong Jones, who is apparently a standard commoner in those uh, royal terms, even though he's a massive Etonian posho, but unlike the others, he had a sort of job as a photographer. The British public were hungry for Margaret to have another stab at love, so speculation linking her with the great and the chinless was rife, but no one thought to pay attention to the somewhat theatrical and potentially sexually fluid Tony in the background. I sort of almost feel sorry for him a little bit uh, here, just because there's a sort of real sense that um, he's sort of slightly dragged his heels about getting involved in the um, like the circus around the mm. royal family, and that. I was just going to say, I think I think getting involved with the royal family is a, a massive <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. barrier to love. Absolutely, in any, yeah. Through the ages, yeah. Well, like we said on part one, uh, you know that just all they seem to worry about is relationships because they have nothing else to do. Yeah. There's, so everything yeah. is like I said, like a telenovela. Yeah. yeah. And the rules and regulations and what it actually means to be to be married into a family that has that has only one face and that is the yeah. public face. Absolutely, into the firm, as they call themselves, don't they? But it's it, it's a bit like, you know, when you hear stories about Catherine Howard, when Princess when, when King Henry VIII was like, your turn. She's like, oh, no, please. No. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I imagine Auntie Armstrong Jones was a bit like, oh, it's quite funny. I'm having sex with a princess. And then was like, oh, come on, oh, really? God. I've got to wear that every day. Oh, God. I've got lots of other girlfriends. But then you hear, (laughs) and I'm not giving them up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, but then you hear stories about him sort of taking to royalty like an overfed duck to the blood of the poor. So there you go. It's all relative, isn't it? I mean, if you're at the buffet, you might as well eat. (laughs) If you're at the buffet, give me the child's blood. 
I'm going to get into dangerous territory where I start ranting on about how if you get involved with the Royals then you deserve everything you get anyway. Because <laughs> this is generally one of my conversational markers. <laughs> gonna say i'm 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 on the last of the cava so i just have a hunch that episode two is gonna be much looser than episode one (laughs) (laughs) i saw her get down a baileys from the shelf with a look of intent in her eyes still got tiara on though margaret would have wanted it's just what she would have wanted okay so margaret and tony have this sort of like covert um not a fair a relationship behind the press is back basically who are all like i think she's going to marry chuffers or whatever you know some posh ham and then she <laughs> she ends an up actual leg of ham. an actual leg of mutton and the choices were anthony armstrong jones or an actual leg of lamb <laughs> or a pork loin <laughs> scrubbed <laughs> uh, bring him scrubbed to my chamber but their wedding is the first royal wedding to be televised <gasps> Yes! Yeah. And she looked fabulous! She did look fabulous, didn't she? Look up the footage, oh. say, on the YouTube. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the Royal... I, mean, the six, I <gasps> love the 60s. As I've said, Hard yeah. Day's Right is my favourite film. There's something about the 60s and how sharp everyone's hair was and just how clean everyone looked in black and white. Like, yes. The 60s just... I, I just lo- I just love it. I love it. I love it so much. And then she was just this monochrome princess, mm. and she looked unbelievable. Yeah, she did. She. I mean, there's a lot written and spoken about Margaret being a beauty, and you know, this is not a podcast where we talk about women's looks in a way that you know particularly. But she she was pretty. She was a bit of a stunner wasn't she especially in that footage you're like yeah fair play she's she's banging and you know what she always had a bit of a thing i think for men that weren't like were a couple of points below her (laughs) but like to be honest when i feel like you're that beautiful every single person on the planet is a couple of points below you yeah i just i i just don't think and i really think that's that really builds into her myth yeah, she she was this kind of she was our Grace Kelly in yeah. so many ways. Yeah, exactly. She was this gorgeous person who, and I, you know, I don't want to wax lyrical about you know she is still <laughs> a princess, and I fundamentally disagree with that principle. Yeah, but and I I think a lot about what I'm buying into in terms of of royalty, and it is. I mean, I'm I'm the Disney generation. I'm like, you know, yeah. princesses are, are are the thing. That's and interesting. The point. fairy tale wedding is like after Margaret. It is this you've you've got this legacy of the fairy tale wedding that mm. has been broadcast, and everyone buys into it and thinks it's uh, this remarkable event. That's so true. Yeah, I mean. And the Americans as well. Yeah. Buying into that idea of British royalty, which has obviously played a huge, huge part in things like the Diana stuff in terms of how it was viewed in the States and especially the Meghan thing. Mm. I was in the States when Harry and Meghan's wedding was on. I was in Detroit and it was on about nine o'clock in the morning and we were watching the footage and just the, the palpable excitement and obsession that they had with this idea of the royal family yeah. it, just, it was so at odds with what I was used to in mixing in the circles that I mix with mm. and living in London and that sort of stuff which I'm sure obviously I know that there was a huge amount of excitement um, around it here like yeah. I'm not, not saying that's not the case but there was this kind of like 
the exoticness but the romanticism is exactly what you're saying that idea of like the fairy tale princess wedding like they really saw it like that like yeah. they, the like yeah, the, yeah. the footage that they had on that they'd all dressed up like all the news anchors were in like full three-piece suits yeah. with like tweed and they had like cups of tea and like china that was made like and mm. they'd sort like of all they got were- they were cosplaying being a guest. Yes, yeah, exactly. yes, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Some of the channels that I was flicking through, like they were genuinely cosplaying at being guests. Royal weddings are fucking hilarious. They are so much yeah. fun. When um, Kate and Will's got married, I went. I organised Kate's Hindu, and Ooh. we just went on this horrible ricochet from gay bar to gay bar around Soho, dressed as the royals, and it was banging. <laughs> You know, when they got married, I went to St. Andrews and they got married in my last year when I was there. Oh, shit. So, yeah. Because we both met there. Yeah. So we dragged our TV out to the garden and we put the antenna on top of it and we, we had a massive garden party. Oh. And we just invited loads of people around and we all watched it happening. And it, it was this, it was like the town kind of stood still yeah. for that day because it had such a connection to them. And then we just got remarkably drunk and I <laughs> got sunstroke and puked in a plastic bag and had to go to bed. And it was like... Britain. It was, it was you know, I was brought down to reality in a very real way. But the beginning of the day was just... You were only doing we what feel, Fergie did. We, we, as ordinary human beings, feel connected to this ethereal yeah. event that's happening everyone in the world is watching it was this very it's a very strange sense of being connected to people absolutely but also buying into that idea of this glorious perfect romantic union it's a disney princess fantasy yeah yeah what what is that as a psychological thing exactly (laughs) yeah yeah you add a princess fantasy on top of a madonna whore complex and you get princess margaret (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things. Yeah. The royals actually quite liked Tony, weirdly, uh, because he sort of, he was superficially charming and hadn't been divorced. Um, they start calling him Lord <laughs> Snowden. And then there's a couple of years where they're like an it couple, isn't it? Where like mm. Margaret and Tony are ragging around going to cool parties. Um, mm. And then they have two kids, Sarah and David. Although it was revealed in 2004 that Tony had actually fathered Polly Fry with his best mate Jeremy's wife Camilla whilst engaged mm. to Margaret. Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, and Polly was born while Ton- Tony and Mags were on honeymoon. Jeremy Fry was actually due to be Tony's best man. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a significant rumour that Tony was sleeping with both Fry's, and this is known as a Fry's English delight. <laughs> telenovela join us next time absolutely classic telenovela come to my my sex shed at the bottom of my french peasant village <laughs> delivered with a plum my sex party village ah. oh Red god here. come on in <laughs> come on in we're having a ball okay so i just want to pause in this kind of like golden era of margaret being it fabulous gorgeous appalling um yeah. And we're going to do a little rundown of some of her worst behaviour. Please, please. I'm all ears. So during the 60s, she ignored supermodel Twiggy at a dinner party, finally asking her name. <laughs> Leslie, ma'am, but my friends call me Twiggy. How unfortunate, the princess said before turning away. <laughs> she is a national treasure. 
<laughs> or, as, or as they called her on America's Next Top Model, Twiglet. <gasps> Did they? And that is why America's Next Top Model is the greatest television program on earth. <laughs> I have never been so disappointed. For you. <laughs> we were all rooting for you. Never forget. I'll never forget. <laughs> Such classic TV. Never forget. <laughs> I miss it so much. Oh, so good. Okay, so we're now going to get into some non-chronological tales about her being a big camp cunt. Um, (laughs) Please. please. There we go. Tom's going to do a high-fidelity style top five most horrible but fabulous things Margaret did when pissed. Oh, this is so on brand for me. This is so on brand for you. (laughs) At number five, we have when she went to see Derek Jacobi chew the scenery as Richard II at the theatre above the Phoenix Arts Club. Oh, friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. I mean, not friends of the pod, but they should be because we're friends of them. We're very friends of them. Uh, sent word that he was to stay on stage at the end. She went off for a gin in the VIP bar, then trotted back half an hour later, having left him standing there with his dick in his hand. Another time, (laughs) they went for a post-show dinner. We got on terribly well, very chummy, talking about her mum and her sister, and she really made me feel like I was a friend, the actor Derek Jacobi recalled of one long dinner party, until she got a cigarette out and I picked up a lighter and she snatched it out of my hand. You don't light my cigarette, dear. Oh, no. You're not that close. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just pause and say, if we're talking big diva energy... Yeah. Show me the crime. Show me the crime. (laughs) Show me the crime. You will wait while I go and get my gin. (laughs) Now, you will not light my cigarette for me. That's not how this works. Astonishing. (laughs) (laughs) At number four, we have her telling Robert Evans, the producer of Love Story, that Tony had hated it. Uh, This is on par with when she met the former Hollywood actress, Princess Monaco, Grace Kelly, and sniped, Well, you don't look like a movie star. I mean, Jesus Christ. Wait, she said that to Grace Kelly. Yes, Kelly. To Grace Kelly. (laughs) You look like a movie star. I mean, that in my eyes is a a strong mark against her because Grace Kelly was perfect. Literally perfect. You don't look like a movie star. Then what does a movie star look like, Madge? (laughs) It looks like me, And also... And also, to go back, to circle back to our astrology chat, Grace Kelly famously said to her mother... I can't marry, I can't marry Rainier of Monaco. He's a Gemini. <gasps> really? Scorpio. <gasps> Whereas you, Holly Morgan, are a Scorpio. I am. And I, Cat Loud, am a Gemini. And so, yet we're wed. Know, we are. We and yet are, you are cabaret Rainier wives. Race. We're proof cabaret. that it can work. My parents are both Gemini's as well. Talk, talk us through this as well. Yeah. So I'm Aquarius. So what does that mean? For Aquarius and Scorpio, is that a good match? I mean, You'd hope so. last, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now, isn't it? <laughs> Ill-advised. They all said it. <laughs> we'll ask Margaret. We'll ask Margaret. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, get a Ouija board. <laughs> I'll tell you what, give me another week in isolation and I will be trying to communicate with, with the spirits of the fabulous. <laughs> A little Diva Energy episode in which we get a Ouija board we and try and, and contact dead divas. <laughs> Do this remotely. Can I join in? Of course. Can you use Ouija boards remotely? I hope so, but let's give it a go. I mean, if you can contact the spirits of the dead, you can do it over (laughs) Skype. Blight Spirit by Skype. Amazing. In the role of Madame Arcati, we have Cat Loud. Little Diva Spirit. (laughs) Who should we summon first? Oh, I don't know. Joplin. I'd be chaos. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't got enough whiskey in the house. (laughs) Absolute chaos. 
alert. We have summoned the spirit of Janice Joplin. And you're, she's burned down the flat. Elizabeth I was going to say, you're a big one for Anne Boleyn, aren't you? Yeah, like, I live for Anne Boleyn. In fact, you've just got the new uh, Hilary Mantel book, haven't you? Yes, three. I have. Uh, at number three, we have Margaret turning over a trivial pursuit board because people <laughs> wouldn't accept that Mulligatawny Soup had a proper name. It wasn't just called Curry Soup. <laughs> about Margaret the more I relate I'm obsessed with her <laughs> to overturn the Trivial Pursuit board I mean it's a stressful game we've all been there <laughs> let's also bear in mind that she famously didn't have the best education because they didn't bother like no, Liz- Elizabeth is rudimentary wasn't really that qualified no <laughs> Crawfee was winging it <laughs> trying to dodge Elizabeth's Crawfee swinging arms <laughs> The bites from Nasha. <laughs> <laughs> she covered the ABCs and thought she'd done enough. <laughs> she didn't get into types of soup. Which is why Margaret spent so much time looking for the D. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was, you know, due after she was 15 and discovered smoking. She was too busy oh, around the back God. of the bike shed to learn about that. <laughs> the royal bike shed behind the carriage. Oh, incredible. At number two, it's refusing to meet Boy George because he looked like a tart. (laughs) (laughs) Again, show me the lie. Oh, God. I mean, I'm bringing nothing to the table in terms of skill set. And she's just roundly insulting anyone in the arts who will stand I still really long enough. I feel like if she had said that to his face, he would have been like, pot kettle, madam. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Honey pay. Oh, he, he didn't take kindly to it. It was at the peak of, like, of Culture t- Club's power as well. Power? <laughs> well, you know, more power than Margaret had. Well, that's true, like, actually. It's, it's that, that uneasy transition between like the royals having power and actually celebrities ruling the world. And Boy George was like, well, I thought they were supposed to have manners. but <laughs> So it got into a bit of a... It became a tabloid moment. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> but also, you look like a tart. It's <laughs> 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 so good. <laughs> Also refusing to meet him, so yeah. as if like yeah. he was across the room and someone went, "Oh, uh, boy, George is over there. Did you want to have a look? Uh, have a little chat? Have a and look. She, have a look." <laughs> she did. She turned around, had a little look at him, and went, "No, he looks like a tart." Oh. <laughs> but also, honesty oh. is the best policy. Yeah. <laughs> Which clearly, she thought so. No. That is apparent. <laughs> oh. And at number one. Get ready for this one. At number one, we have her phase of gluing matches to her glasses so she didn't have to pause between cigarettes. (laughs) Which doesn't even make sense. (laughs) I've read about this being repackaged as Margaret's attempt to be an artist. No. Well, like Lady Gaga with the cigarette sunglasses. 
This was a, this has been interpreted as her response to Tony making art. She's like, well, I make sculptures and glue I mean, <laughs> matches. Do you mean she glued glasses to her? She she glued them to her glasses in receptacle for booze, yeah. or in as in her spectacles? Uh, oh, receptacle for for booze. So she'd have. She'd... Oh, I always thought it was the. Oh no! When you told me that story, I thought you meant her. Gla- That's why I was like, that doesn't make any sense no. at all. No, she'd strike ma- matches off her from her glass of booze so she didn't have to stop cooler and safer than doing it (laughs) 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 that's what i was was sort of imagining a sort of like matchstick version of of the gaga ones from the telephone video yes no (laughs) (laughs) like on the side of the glass yes (laughs) well uh, talking of pyromania there is a there are numerous accounts of Anthony armstrong jones uh throwing lit cigarettes at Margaret Mm. Um, in public not as a domestic violence issue just flicking them at her as as for something to do Jesus Christ like a fun a fun jape that people you know people of a certain standard do you know this is why we need we need to break down the class system to throw at you darling I'll just throw my cigarettes throw my lit fag (laughs) oh honestly so this would be the part where we'd be giving you an extra snack. <laughs> so what do you think we would have given you? I mean, I feel like it would have been a cocktail stick with a chipolata and a lit bag bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have just thrown it across the room at me. Flicked it at you. Yeah. Oh, you've been to our house before. <laughs> just pop, popped it between like the two ends of the cigarette, uh, the two ends of the cocktail stick, one on the table and one with your finger, and then just flicked it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, like did a little loop the loop and hit you in the eye. <laughs> Protected only by your glasses, covered in matches. <laughs> but actually, Margaret had simple tastes when it came to to uh, consuming things. Mostly, her taste was for booze. Um, so we should be giving you a four course meal with local cheeses. But local what? and continental local cheese, and continental cheese. No native cheeses. You will be getting some cheese strings. <laughs> and, strings of cheese. Who would have thought? And a balsam. What they do on the continent. But no, we were going to give you a chicken pie because that was her and, and Tony's favourite. They used to go to a little restaurant called Nans of Kensington. Is and she get still a chicken open? Pie. She is still open, but renamed. Well, she won't won't be open. No, not now, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. No. <sighs> so that's it always having, settles in, doesn't it? It always settles in. Nothing's sacred anymore, Tom. No. <laughs> Let's have a little pause for some existential angst and an imaginary chicken pie. Ooh. <laughs> And we're back. Did you enjoy your imagination pie? Yeah, I love chicken. That was nice, I feel isn't it? well filled up and ready for more booze now. Yay! Mm. So in the break, Cat opened, opened a tin of tenants. <laughs> and the, that is warm. <laughs> Unrefrigerated because I don't have space in the fridge. <laughs> Come on. Desperate times, guys. Don't judge us if you're reading this from the, from the after. <laughs> Right. Oh, I am what I am. Yeah. <laughs> and what you are is fabulous. <laughs> and talking of fabulous, we're going to get into Margaret and Mystique. Oi. <laughs> the so, perfume she never released. <laughs> Margaret's Mystique. Like Alyssa's secret. 
profound a mystique. Lot of lot of mystique. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it smells of privilege. <laughs> privilege is also a really good name for a scent. A scent for Margaret. Privilege. 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 <laughs> because I'm not worth it. <laughs> but I've still I- got it. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. Ah! Maybe it's privilege. <laughs> she's one. She's one. There you go. Maybe, ten out of ten. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's privilege. That's the one. Yes. Margaret's mate, Anthony Tennant. <laughs> uh, not the founder of the beer company that Kat enjoys so much. Uh, who she just had a significant flirtation with post Townsend bought Mystique in 1958. As you fucking do. <laughs> Tenant gifted her a plot of land as a wedding present and offered to build her a house in Mystique, (laughs) an island. It came to be a place to escape from Tony and his philandering. He hated the place and reportedly called it Margaret's Must Take. (laughs) So the house in Mystique was the first and only house that she ever owned and considered home. Good to know that it was just as hard to get on the property ladder in the 70s. Oh, oh no. Oh, I've just realised. Yeah, she didn't actually have to own any of the homes she was given by the state she didn't have to own any homes because she owned all of ours (laughs) (laughs) no mortgage no problem (laughs) she used to she absolutely lived for the fact she owned it as well she was always being like I own this I'm a homeowner (laughs) (laughs) look at my little house on Musty I don't understand ownership but this is mine (laughs) I've got some deeds look before the end of times you were able to rent it as as of like a week ago you could go and stay in Margaret's villa on for presumably a pretty hefty sum was it oh it's like 25 grand a week cheese Um, (laughs) I mean if we get enough of us together yeah yeah that's true I don't know. We'll be hundred people in this like four around. bedroom house <laughs> on an island. <laughs> just me and all of the community I live in will just be like, there's two hundred and fifty thousand of us. Pound a week, babe. It's like fire festival, but fun. <laughs> so Tony was actually playing away in quite a big way by now, and Margaret had her own indiscretions, as you've mentioned, Kat. Of course, um, rumors persist about Peter Sellers. Fueled by Peter Sellers. Uh, she also had a fling with John Binden. Mm-hmm. I don't know this chap. Yeah. Uh, he's the Cockney bit part actor and actual murderer. I do know him. <laughs> he's in one of my favourite yeah, films. Yeah. Who's he in? Quadrophania. He's like a, one of the random mods in the background. <gasps> well, I'm going back and pretending I knew what that was. <laughs> Great. It's good to know that Tom reads the scripts beforehand, isn't it? I do, but it was fucking ages ago. We wrote this two weeks ago. Um... She also had a fling with John Binden, a Cockney bit part actor, an actual murderer who appeared in Quadrophenia, lovely Quadrophenia, and apparently inspired Vinnie Jones' character in Lockstock. There you go, little factoid. A <laughs> film made by rough as arseholes Guy Ritchie, descendant of Edward I. <laughs> yeah, so Margaret basically was having the time of her life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, living the dream, babe. Living the fucking dream. The Mystique episode of, of The Crown Season 2, I very much enjoyed. Very, very much. Very good. Filmed in Spain, apparently. Uh, but they still got a lovely holiday. Oh, God. Horrible oh, Spain. Spain. <laughs> Dreadful Spain. <laughs> Imagine being able to go to Spain. <laughs> Can't even go to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone Spain. Yes. I've, 
got a light holiday buzz on, but that's the only thing I've got of a holiday coming. Um, <laughs> Margaret liked younger men. Who doesn't? Uh, she also liked them stocky, reddish-haired and Welsh. Enter Roddy Llewellyn, a baronet's son turned landscape gardener, who, when they met in 1973, was 26 to her 43. I was just following my heart, Llewellyn later remarked, of their eight-year liaison, which was exposed when paparazzi took photos of them swimming in the sea together, him in skimpy Union Jack trunks bought for him by Margaret. Yeah, it's eight years they're they're together, Um, but he's not really allowed to come to any royal functions. I have a pet theory that Roddy Llewellyn is the person who has loved who loved margaret the most who wasn't her yeah. sister i think yeah. he absolutely adored her um yeah. and, and like i think it was as true a love as she probably ever had and and elizabeth recognizes that sorry elizabeth you know my mate liz the queen she had, recognizes that guys yeah she knows she I chatted with her. <laughs> we, we've got a whatsapp group but apparently she said to roddy thank you you were the person who made her happy really yeah um, so i mean Roddy is, I think, he's dead now as well. Love him. Um, I think he was genuinely just a bit of an idiot. <laughs> like, just a bit of a sweet idiot. How did it work in terms of, like, were they still together after they were exposed by the yeah. press? Yeah, they were. So Tony finds hey, out, so. yeah, th- about what's going on. And he's being an absolute arsehole for, like, ages. He's been, been... a right little twat. Yeah, because you see it in The Crown that he left her notes in her books and things. He'd, like, leave little hate notes for her, such as 24 Reasons Why I Hate You and You Look Like a Jewish Manicurist. Oh, I mean, he loved a slightly xenophobic um, a slur as well. Like a nice little simile. Yeah. And by nice, I mean awful. Yeah. And racist. Yeah. Um, so he'd been having an affair with the woman he married, but he used the affair with Roddy as a platform to launch himself as the wounded party and instigate the first royal divorce since Henry VIII and Anne of Cleves. <gasps> mm. Did not know. I yeah. mean, if you're going to go down in history, babe. Yeah, like, right? Do it, do it. Go down in flames. Yeah, absolutely. Down in, like, burn the shit down. Mm. Burn it fucking to the ground. And like, also the fucking irony of not being able to marry because they were divorced to be like, yeah. well, hey-oh. Hey-oh, look what I'm doing. Life. Absolutely. There's a, there's, a, there's a horrible symmetry to that, isn't there? Really. Which I think he probably would have enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. The Queen and the Queen Mum were by this time, were like big Tony fans like oh Tony don't be horrible but lovely Tony and Tony was being a genuine arsehole mm-hmm. um, and I think treading a fine line between some coercive control behaviour mm-hmm. and some um, some other really un- unpleasant physical stuff I mean but yeah. that which is kind of there's a bit in the crown isn't there where he like has her up against the wall and it's like quite sexually charged but also violent yeah. um, but do you, do you think as well that she had maybe garnered this reputation as a bit of a drama queen. Yeah. And then if she had come forward with any actual allegations, it would have been like, oh, Mar- you know, Margaret, don't be... Yeah, exactly. Don't blow this out of proportion. You know what you're like. She's courting the spotlight again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very much the attitude they had about her. It's like, oh, God, what's she done now? As I- Which makes me really sad. Yeah. It makes me really sad for... It's kind of, you know, boy who cried wolf in a domestic abuse setting really yeah so during this like the, after the revelation of the, the roddy stuff i think we should also probably just touch base about 
how the press are treating this and Margaret in general because she's in her 40s and she'd put on weight and um that was not unremarked upon so it was it was sort of like from the the princess of our hearts era to now it's like old sad lame woman um takes young man isn't that gross and so Margaret did take a few too many pills one night yeah. uh, the crown make that more of a suicide attempt than apparently it was apparently it was a bit of an accident like she was just yeah, yeah it was fine but she did take too many pills um it blew over and then roddy has an abortive stab at being a pop star <laughs> <laughs> there is read the room roddy roddy <laughs> There is some very awkward footage of him and Petula Clark singing La Ventura in a set no. designed to look a bit like Petula a Bernie Clark. Inn. Petula Clark! Petula Clark! she would have known better. Until recently playing the, the pigeon lady in, in Mary Poppins. Oh. <laughs> please, please look at Roddy's pop career because it is... Something else. It's, do you know what? He holds a tune. He can... He... He's got a Harry Styles that, vibe. Not the precedent that was set, though, because you know, way for holding attention. Then you know, Peter Andre and Jordan releasing a whole new world. Yes. Like, is that the legacy? It's the legacy. <laughs> it's Margaret's fault. Oh. You TV said star that this the ho- career. <laughs> She's yeah. given us couple it's songs. She's responsible <laughs> for celebrity couple songs. I will stress that Margaret did not appear on this rendition of La Ventura, but she, she would. She wouldn't. She wouldn't. Fair enough. Oh, she wasn't above a turn in private. Though. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with that Jordan and Peter Andre song. Oh, yeah. Well, I've watched that. the video several times. Have you? <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm just obsessed with anyone who displays an extraordinary level of commitment to what they're doing. Yeah. I so, judging in the mind. ideas that we've talked about on this show about um, divas, like the meaning of the word diva, last episode we had Patty, and the definition was someone who delivers. Yeah. Much earlier in, in a very early episode we had being extra at the detriment of others. <laughs> and I think, uh, like, someone who displays extraordinary commitment to something despite a lack of interest or talent. <laughs> like, it's in a lack of others' interests. And that doesn't have to be both those things. It can be one or the other. It can be both. Like, just the idea of displaying extraordinary commitment to doing something against <laughs> yeah, all odds. Yeah. Commitment slash ignorance. Yeah. Like well, it's the combination of the two, like... right? It's ignorance of how anyone, how you're being perceived or how you're, uh, what you have available to you. Yeah. And, and it's like commitment despite that. But also yeah. that doesn't really then come up against something like Patty, who is someone that say, because that's like more what Margaret's, yeah about i guess or maybe yeah margaret's vibe is strong but wrong i think strong but wrong and and doesn't give a shit yeah which is a really huge diva uh attribute whereas we've got someone like patty who is uh it's strong but right yes and that bothers people yeah the idea of going like oh i fucking know i know i'm good at this like when i open my mouth the tune that comes out is what you want to hear yeah and so i'm gonna behave however i damn well please yeah because i deserve it because Mm. i've got this and people not really taking kindly to that. Whereas, like, Margaret is kind of the complete opposite. Like, an absolute absence of talent or ability <laughs> or any real reason to be behaving the way she's behaving. Mm. But is so committed to it <laughs> that you have to just be I'm like, kind of, that is fucking that excellent. 
Isn't that entitlement? Like, that is entitlement. Exactly what it is. I deserve a stage. Yeah. Because of X Y Z. Absolutely. Which is big diva energy. So actually, like, we're getting into a point now when the, the definition of this word diva is becoming very complicated. Yeah. Because yeah. those are two completely opposing personality traits. Yeah. But they are fundamentally both big diva energy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. that it's that lack of, that's that slight diminishing of her status, which I think she really dug into and then really, like, ground down into, I will assert myself despite what the mainstream think of me despite the that fact like i know you used to love me and you don't anymore but i'm fucking still doing it so what yeah um take this little gem (laughs) so according to theo aronson's princess margaret a biography at a party at the beverly hills hotel her royal highness sent a message across the room to say that she would like to hear judy garland sing The singer was appalled both by this trivialising of her talent and by the princess's lordly tone. Go and tell that nasty, rude little princess that we've known each other for long enough and gabbed in another lady's rooms that she should just skip the ho-hum royal routine and just pop over here and ask me herself, said Garland. Tell her I'll sing if she christens a ship first. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the two energies of Big Deaver Energy colliding that is it's the it's the the large hadron collider of big diva energy yeah that is that is it that's maximum talent meets minimum talent maximum maximum conviction (laughs) (laughs) and you create an impasse there's some extraordinary physics on it you create a stalemate yeah absolutely no one wins there everyone just has to walk away from the conflict (gasps) judy garland and Princess Margaret are an unstoppable force <gasps> meets an immovable object. Oh my god! Of deverism. Incredible. We've gabbed enough in the ladies' room. <laughs> what? What were you talking about? Gabbed what would as happen? Well. Gabbed enough in the ladies' room. I need. I show me. Show me. Show me that footage. Hello, I've just <laughs> fucked Peter Sellers. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, <laughs> incoherent oh, Judy noises. Oh, oh, oh. I, don't ever, like, oh. I don't even know. Judy Garland is like this. I can't even impersonate her. She's just such a. It's so like, pure, isn't it? Her voice is like a ferret in my throat. I can't grasp it. I could do like I could do like moments. I could do um. Somewhere over the rainbow. But I can't do later. That's all I can do. <laughs> oh, you could do really later. You could do Liza. I can do Liza. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's why I can't do Judy. Well, because it becomes Liza. Yeah. Do you know about the Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> shenanigans? Because this is some good shit as well. Oh, get into it. Get okay. into it. So considering we think she probably had an affair with Eddie Fisher, this also <laughs> kind of pulls this into another realm yeah. of like cross divadom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after Richard Burton presented Elizabeth with the uh, the Krupp diamond, you know, the, the big fucker, uh, Princess yeah. Margaret remarked to her friend that it was the most vulgar thing she'd ever seen. 
I mean, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. It was the size of like an ostrich egg on her finger. I mean, no one should have that amount of money on their fingers. It's crass. It is crass. It's Uh, it's nouveau. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Craig Brown writes in 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret, which again is is essential reading. Uh, Taylor heard of this slight. A while later, the two women met at a party. Taylor was wearing the diamond and asked Margaret if she would like to try it on. Margaret slipped it on her finger. Doesn't look so vulgar now, does it? Observed <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> Absolutely iconic. <laughs> Try on my massive hen's egg egg. You know you want it's to. It's not the ring, it's the finger, darling. <laughs> and they cross paths again in the 80s. It's a particularly tense party. It's one where Margaret's been really acting up and is like Aggie about Elizabeth Taylor in general. I think it was... I can't remember quite the circumstances, but her she'd seen a play that Liz had been in. Margaret recited the lines from the play. <laughs> a frustrated actress, maybe? Exactly. And then, apparently, like, the party had gone on too long, which, again, pot kettle, it's Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, obviously <laughs> on Margaret's role. This has gone on for far too long. <laughs> and then, apparently, she, she remarked loudly in, in Elizabeth Taylor's earshot, is anyone going to take her home or we'll have to find a sleeping bag? Like, fuck. <laughs> I guess because her main in- implement had been taken out of play, she was like, staying too long is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and also me and Liz look quite alike. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. We're both yeah. wearing the same moo-moo. This won't do. Either she goes or I go. <laughs> Into the 80s and enter to other... <laughs> Icons of the royal family, Di and Fergie. Yeah. Uh, she initially, apparently, Margaret initially, Peggy initially liked them both. Yeah. Uh, but never forgave either of them for their indiscretions with the press, which is a bit fucking rich. <laughs> like the lot of them. Um, after the Bashir documentary, Diana was dead to her and she never forgave Fergie for toe-sucking gate. <laughs> but I think there's also something here about the rise of the 80s... Um, princess mentality where like i was born in 85 and when is the diana wedding it's like it's early doors isn't it tom is referring to our um a vinyl record we have of the wedding 81 81 81 29th of july 1981 well this bbc recording from saint paul's cathedral is the 29th of july 1981 fuck me so before i was born and my grandma bought me a Princess Diana, like, cut out and paste your... your. There's there's the album. There it is. So we'll put this on the Twitter, guys, uh, and the Instagram. We have a vinyl recording <laughs> of the Princess wow. Diana, uh, Prince Charles that wedding. long after her birthday. Princess Diana, I think, was a cancer. A cancer. Oh, was she? Yeah. That's what the Queen says. <laughs> 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 of a woman who had got married four years before I was born and was like, you'll want this. And I remember playing it. Like, what was that about? That that all-consuming obsession with the royalty making Margaret more... Like, the new new form of the royalty making Margaret even more irrelevant and, like, yeah, eclipsing her in her own lifetime. (laughs) You can see why she was wound up. Yeah. You can see why. Well, she did the first televised... Wedding. By that point, the press had massively shifted their allegiance. Mm. At Diana's funeral, Margaret barely inclined her head when the coffin was brought in. 
and was absolutely livid about the national hysteria. Oh, great. Towards that or towards Diana's death? About Diana's death. Right, there was a national hysteria about her not reacting properly. Mm -mm. She didn't get it. Did they have a relationship at all? or was They it were just... close, yeah. Diana had, had said, like, I, she's my favourite. I love Margaret. Really? They lived, they were neighbours as well. What I found out today was that Margaret was the president of London Lighthouse, which was an AIDS mm. charity. Yes, that is that true. then merged into another charity. And I, I don't know what it means to be the, the president or a patron of anything, but, but I feel like that was quite significant, especially Definitely. in terms of what Diana did as a just as an ambassador for... Yeah. Which has been actually... the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Margaret's involvement in, in the AIDS crisis has been pretty much ignored. That's amazing. I didn't know she had any involvement whatsoever. Yeah, she did. Yeah. There's stories about her in the really early days of the crisis um, having physical contact and hugging people who have been affected, which is huge. In the mm. timeline, of, oh, absolutely, of, yeah. and the lack of understanding at the. Uh, uh, but Diana was the one photographed doing it. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if that plays into a part with their kind of mm. her, her her feelings about Diana being flashy, which is also you know what was what she was accused of herself. That slight sort of inheritor or, or um, usurper to her mm. crown, the only crown she had, which is being yeah. the the royal that does those things, creates moments absolutely the pop cultural also in terms of which is not how she would have thought about it but but in terms of her position to the crown when diana and charles get married and have the boys oh she she becomes she slips right back down like by the time she died she she, she'd gone from like second to right down so she sees in her her lifetime her relevance in terms of what could be her role (laughs) and something she sticks onto like glue her role becomes more more and more marginalised. I guess whether she wanted to do it or not, it doesn't it's doesn't really matter, does it? It's it's how you perceive yourself because she has no other meaning in the world. Yeah. Because I don't she grew up in that in that period where your place in the royal family or what you did, like the, the it was the meaning of the royal family and now what they've managed to do is is to kind of at least probably in order to survive mentally Mm. is to position themselves in such a way as to say what is the job of the royal family and what is my job in that yeah how do i fit in which is not is not to do with a game of thrones style succession Mm. uh process it's not to do with a tiered system it's more to do with like harry not being interested in big well okay so this is pre Maxit, but like the way Harry would probably wasn't perceiving himself in terms of like this is where I sit in terms of whether I'll be king one day. Mm. It's more in terms of like this is where I sit in the royal family, so this is what I can do with my position. Yeah. And Margaret probably towards the end of her life, or and and certainly Diana saw themselves in that way, which is a much more modern way of looking at your mm. privileged position as a royal family member. Whereas when she was growing up, it was more about that succession style. Yeah. Who the fuck is next up? Like, yeah. so actually, yeah. that probably did hit her really hard. Yeah. And like, and actually, I don't really begrudge her that in a way because mm. of that feeling of going like, now you can see oh, yourself oh. as a royal family member and going, I'm important to the world because I've got a voice. Yeah. And I can put things out there. Whereas probably what she saw at the time was like, what's your meaning in the world? Yeah. And your meaning is your second in line to the throne or your meaning is being third in her case being, yeah. uh, bit, well, second, yeah, at one point and then, and then moving further and further yeah. down. Like it defines yeah. your life. 
Whereas now you don't have to do that. But so I was I was also saying yeah, and I was also saying to Holly that the way we were talking about Margaret before, and Margaret and Elizabeth as the virgin whore complex. Yeah. You've got one sister doing one thing and one sister doing another. And I feel like the same principles have been applied to William and Harry. Yes. So, you know, William is, is the successor and Harry's the lad that we can all relate to because he goes out and has a good time and has fun and does and all the one everyone wants to fuck. We do. Yeah. He he drinks and he, you know isn't a member of the royal family. So I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there's a a curse, maybe, in... A curse in in doubles. As soon as you become relatable, you then are laboured or burdened with expectation. That's really interesting, yeah. You're like... You, you're the one that makes the public know what, what, we, are, what we are. So we yeah. recognise that, but also we're not comfortable with it because protocol. Within Margaret's lifetime, we saw the royal family's attitude to, to divorce become something completely... Yeah. Alien, something that was what, which meant a man gave up the throne to something that the royal family could do within a person's yeah. lifetime. And... The way that, you know, the, but the Bashir documentary that, you know, there are three people in this marriage, all the eyeliner and the sad, sad, sad eyes, that to Margaret was remarkable because she'd issued this very stiff statement about why I'm giving up the love of my life because and of the Commonwealth. How frustrating. Yeah. How frustrating yeah. to live through times changing so dramatically. Absolutely. But also then, then what does that mean for the royal family as something of an icon or something that is iconic to our generation like if if, yeah. if people would if people would actually not marry someone because of divorce because of principle and setting an example then what example do the royal family set for us now like yeah. what 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 does this mean for us i i just like having accumulated all of this history yeah it's really difficult to then sit and digest it and be like well what what does that mean for us now what rules are they setting for us now because i don't think they i don't think they have any ground to set rule for us now at all i don't think well yeah when look at that like it seems like a year ago now but in august when when the queen sanctioned boris johnson's uh brexit measures and we all lost our minds Because we were like, she can't get involved in this. But like, as she is a figurehead, and she real, and like her, she cannot interfere with process in the same way. No, uh, and that was learnt from Victoria. Yeah, right. Was, who tried to it? Who tried to oppose to government measures and was rebelled against in a very vicious way. Yeah. So it's like if we're gonna have a monarchy in these times where, which are passively nihilistic and self-governed, where the relationship between Crown and the Church of England has a much, like, it's, it's much more peripheral to, to most people's lives. Yeah. People like Diana and Meghan Markle are going to represent spikes where people who have more entrenched ideas... Um, lose their shit (laughs) Mm. for want of a better word and margaret was sort of like somewhere between them really in terms of radicalism but for her time 
actually yeah. pretty fucking radical. Um, yeah. But unlike either of them, really didn't have the common touch and wasn't interested in having it. No. <laughs> Unless no. it was having the common no, touch. No, wasn't interested in it being a message. No. Or interested in it being an example. No. It was kind of this idea of decadence for decadence sake. Yeah. And pushing the boundaries for the sake of rebelling against family rather than rebelling against social norms. Yeah. So as she retreats, like, with, 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 as, as old age takes hold and uh, she re- withdraws more, she, there's this incident where she scolds her legs in Mystique. Did you hear about this? Read about this. Yeah. Yeah. So she was in the bathroom in Mystique and she either fell down. And when then, is this? 1999, it happens. She's in the bathroom and something happens and she scolds her legs really badly and she can't get out of the bathroom. This is obviously very sad and kind of kind of means that she's mostly wheel bound, wheelchair bound for the rest of her life. However, <laughs> during a visit to Buckingham Palace, uh, the Queen had only supplied a wheelchair for the nonagenarian Queen Mother, much to Margaret's dismay. This is from Craig Brown. Uh, the Queen had seen to it that a footman would have a wheelchair ready for her mother, but as the lift doors opened onto the first floor. Margaret made a dash for it. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake, Margaret, get out. That was meant for mummy. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the image of a woman claiming she needs a wheelchair running for a wheelchair. (laughs) Come out, you bastard! Queen Mother and Princess Margaret do like an egg and spoon for a wheelchair. With a quail's egg and a silver spoon. They have to run 100 metres to prove who needs the wheelchair the most. I mean, absolutely iconic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think that is probably the last fabulous story about Margaret because the end is quite sad, to be honest. The press are quite vicious about her. Um... And there's this sort of sense that Craig Brown articulates really nicely about how if she'd <laughs> nasty thing to say, but like he didn't, he doesn't. I'm not saying Craig Brown's nasty, but if she'd died sooner, the press would have been nicer. And because post Diana, etc., they just relegated her to history. The obituaries are all really quite obituary. And people crawl out the woodwork who had known her, were her friends, and just kind of slag her off. And again, that's not nice, but nothing they said was untrue. The way they boiled her down to yeah. a set of scandals and um, and then a lot of irrelevance, basically. Yeah. So she died in 2002. The thing, you, the things that stick in your memory. I mean, the way that the way that people write about women like this yeah i remember it being very sad yeah and i and again that circles back to what i was saying about billy holiday i remember i just remember the sad things and i just think well surely a woman like this who maybe was incredibly problematic surely she deserves a more joyous eulogy yeah than just you know the failed romances yeah and the, the the dismalness that came from being the queen's sister, right? You know that that depreciated status. Status like yeah. surely there's more to quantifying life than this, and maybe that says something about how we we talk about life in general, and maybe particularly women who are yeah. 
mm. who are of or who are in some way related to importance. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely that. It's exactly. It's a hundred percent that. In in terms of, if you think about how her life was defined at the end of her life, by yeah. uh, what she what her status was, yeah. and the people that she'd been involved with romantically, mm. instead of yeah. the times when she made people laugh. Uh, or maybe people cry and like the the personal relationships that she had with people yeah. and how funny she was and how much probably and like, like admittedly she made people's lives miserable but like mm. probably how much fun she was and like yeah. and how joyful like being around her sometimes could yeah. have been there are so many instances where being a margaret is important yeah yes and there are so many instances where being an Elizabeth is important and effective. Yeah, yeah. And that's why that's why I think the Elizabeth Margaret dynamic is such an interesting one, especially in terms of how we treat women of different types. As someone who thought of her power as divinely given, I think we can all agree that that's not something we necessarily agree with. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then to to re evaluate all of the instances where particularly women in that position have used that power for immense good Mm. I just I I will always take Margaret as an archetype and treat her with respect because I feel like it's a very valuable type of person to be in society she she was also the patron of the Birmingham Royal Ballet, the Scottish Ballet, the Northern Ballet, the Girl Guides, St John's Ambulance, the Royal Scottish Prevention of Cruelty to Children. She was, she was. I, I mean, I don't know also fundamentally what it means to be president of these charities. Mm. She put her name to them as well. Yeah. Which I just feel says something. Her name was all she had. I don't know. I, I I, mean, I still feel like a lot of my perception of her is mythologized. But there's also a part of me that just really wants to believe that she was a good person. Yeah. Trapped in bad circumstances. Yeah. Just just a good person who wanted... To, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, easy to, it's easy to think that, but... No. It's... it's I think yeah. it's beautiful. It's one of the immense complications that comes with the royal family yeah and it's why when you guys were talking earlier about the way you felt when in saint andrews when the 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 royal wedding happened why i will be immensely sad when i have to kill them all when i get my hands on them (laughs) that's because they've brought those wonderful opportunities to people and those those wonderful moments and i think that's it's really sad that it will have to end in bloodshed well i've just had the best time this has been fabulous. Me this too. has been much like Margaret. It's been fabulous, but unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm so. Have we got? Have we missed anything else vital about her that we haven't said? About Margaret. No, but I mean, I just want to say in hindsight, like if I was to hang out with anyone one on one, it would still be her, regardless mm. of everything we've said. Like Even if, if it'd only be for an hour. Town car and you go around all the gentlemen's clubs of Soho. <laughs> like, I'd still say yes. Yeah. She think we would write a lot of wrongs together. <laughs> like, just, you know, the princess and the red. Yeah. Like, we would make the best combo. I love that. A great detective duo as well. The princess and yeah. the red, red, red. Yeah, I think that's a really lovely button on it as well, actually, to say that she is, she is actually all right or our diva. Yeah. Fabulous.
Oh, well, I've just had the best time. Me too. I honestly, at times, forgot you weren't in the room. So plugs and hugs, obviously we can't physically touch, um, but you know I'm always hugging you. Even if you were here, we couldn't do it. No, it's true. So we've got the drama club. You all need to yeah. follow at that cat loud on Twitter. And is it the same handle on Insta? It is. Yeah. It is. And get in touch over email. And and just let me know because I'm I I currently have it as a private group, but I'll make it public. Okay. And fair enough. I fully intend to just keep going with it and see what yeah. happens and potentially workshop new writing and just see who's up for what. Amazing. But also fundamentally, it is just a DIY drama club. So all of the am dram you were ever involved in, <laughs> you were growing up, that's what we're expecting. So bring it, bitches. No, yeah. 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 Community spirit. Amazing. Superb. Uh, I am going to plug uh, a thing that I'm doing at the moment, though, which is Isolation Records, which is uh, I'm trying to put it out there that I, I think it's really nice now that a lot of us, not everyone, of course, but a lot of us are spending a lot of time indoors. I think it's a really nice opportunity to get to that point where you can sit and listen to an entire record, which I think is a beautiful thing that I think we've lost in the modern era. And I blame Will yeah. I Am, but and he's held his hands up, actually, and said that he's responsible for it. Like it's a really nice thing to be able to do. So I think I quite like the idea of it at least once a day, every day, taking a record and just sitting and listening to not necessarily a record it doesn't have to be vinyl, but listening to the whole album from start to finish. Um, so I'm I'm running a thing where I'm trying to get as many people as involved as possible to um, sit and listen to something. And at the moment, I'm working our way through our actual record collection uh, in alphabetical order. Uh, today we did ABBA, uh, the Greatest Hits, which. We don't own for some reason the only reason we have uh, the only record we have the only one we have in tangible form. Um, So if anyone's interested in in, in joining in with that, it's at Isolation Record without the D one. So uh, (laughs) R E C O R one Isolation R E C O R one. This is what Twitter would give me, but it's Isolation Records, and I reckon you could probably find that. And I'm using the hashtag hashtag Record a Day. Um, so yeah, join in with that. And like, I'm just basically, it's not a big thing. Like it's not, I'm not trying to put any pressure on anyone to do it. I'm just basically just Things saying, to keep. here's what I'm going to be listening to today. There's no time when you have to do it. It's literally just like at some point today, if you can take 37 minutes out of your day and listen to this record, uh, then I think, and then, and then chat, chat to us, have a, have a, have a chat. And hopefully we will be plugging Kat's, uh, gig in, in London, but tbc obviously as that's we all still tbc respond in the after so but fingers crossed we would like to and fingers crossed as well for gaga yeah we've got gaga still we've got gaga TBC. if that gets cancelled i'll probably set something on fire also worth saying duty get well if you're at a loss you're only at the road mate um, i mean holly and i talk about this at length <laughs> that you are in the area yeah and i just feel like it's rude that you've not reached out yet <laughs> it's it's becoming rude it's also made it's, it's been made very clear by cat here that you you don't even have to come down the road yeah you can just like, be on skype shitty yeah like i will i will actually open my window and yell your name and i live in <laughs> edinburgh so I'll just scream I just, your name at the moon i'm amazed that no one has listened to it yet and just said just added shitty and just been like mate what have you been up to these people have been talking about you on their podcast for the last six weeks i'm gonna make this a plea 
anyone who's made it to the end of episode two, if you've not, can you please at Chujigatwa and tell him that we love him? Okay? Don't put any pressure on him. Don't Just be weird. Just tell him we love him, okay? Just say, these Don't guys do a podcast, they live down the road from you, and they love you. We're going to do our farewells, and we want to say a huge, huge heartfelt thank you to our, my cabaret wife, the inimitable, the indescribably brilliant Cat Loud. Thank Cat you, Loud. my darling. <laughs> Beautiful thing. You wonderful thank thing. Thank you so much for, for tuning in <laughs> on Aww. Skype. And thank you to I'm Skype. I've had such a good time. And oh. I just apologise for what's come out of my mouth. I've had you... a lot of wine. Um, we hope you all enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and want to send some sort of flare up from wherever you are self-isolating, you can find us at bigdivaenergy at gmail.com or at divaenergy on Twitter or at bigdivaenergy on Insta. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If you loved this episode and think we are worthy of royal appointment... Tell your friends in a responsible, COVID-aware fashion. If you thought that we were akin to Richard Branson or the CEO of Weatherspoons, you can tell us to get, get in the, the sea. sea. Bye. bye. <laughs> Say bye, cat. All that made me like. Wash your hands. <laughs>